Can't, can't see them. Okay. Mystery. Much like Moon. <laughs> There's that for a segue. <laughs> That's a really poor segue. Shall we begin? Indeed. Hello, and welcome to Filling in the Gaps. I'm Justin. I'm Darren. Here on Filling in the Gaps, we typically talk about puzzle games and puzzling movies, of which today we are going to talk about Moon, which I'm not sure exactly how puzzling it is, but I do think that Moon is the type of movie that leads to discussion and some interesting theories, which is partly why I wanted to do it, and also partly just because I remembered it being very good, and then when I rewatched it, it is still very good. Yeah, I haven't seen it for years. I haven't seen it in about 10, at least 10 years, and it holds up really well. I almost think I like it better now. It's hmm. This is the kind of movie where I watched it twice this week, once just to enjoy it and see, does it hold up? Do we really want to talk about it? Yes, it does. And do a second time where I really slowly go through and take notes and possibly rewind a bit if there's something I didn't quite catch or something I noticed. And it's one where the more I watch it, the more I seem to notice. I feel like I've kind of got it now, but who knows? Maybe the next time I see it, there'll be something else. But it's just a really solid movie and a really interesting sort of character piece. And like I said, I think it brings up some interesting topics. Yep. Let's get the details out of the way here. So Moon is from 2009, directed by Duncan Jones, written by Duncan Jones and Nathan Parker. Rotten Tomato scores, critics 90%, audience 89%. I'm not surprised, because even at the time, I remember people just talking about it, saying that they really liked it, and that I needed to see it. Everybody was recommending this movie to me at one point. IMDb 7.8 feels a little low to me, but that is well within what I think is the normal, this is good and worth watching numbers. It's an hour and 40 minutes. Yeah, and it's great because it does everything that it needs to in that. I didn't feel there was any filler, or well, I wasn't looking at my watch at any point. It's a... Solid film from start to finish, really. I think this is another one of those movies I would say, yes, this is a very good movie for not wasting my time. Mm -hmm. Even the handful of slower moments are there for a purpose. Yep. And they fit. And the pacing of this movie is amazing because it could have very easily run dry. You essentially have, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that he is on the moon. <gasps> <laughs> you ruined it now, Justin, for so many people. That's it. But it's Sam Rockwell, and for a lot of it, it's just Sam Rockwell. Yeah, and he is great in this film. I loved him. I, I like Sam Rockwell anyway, but in this, he is amazing. As I've said to you before, probably not on the podcast, Sam Rockwell for me is a bit of hit or miss. Sometimes he's a bit much. In this one, I guess I can say it now. I was going to say it a bit later, but I probably will say it again at the end. He does go all out, which is what he normally does. But there are a lot of times and a lot of scenes where he holds back and it is exactly the right choice. Mm -hmm. And I hate to put so much pressure on it, but I kind of feel like this is the best he will probably ever do, which maybe is not fair to him. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I will see other things. But out of everything I've seen of him, this is the most Sam Rockwell performance. It has sort of all of the stuff that he would normally be doing, but it just fits so well. Yep. Dancing and shouting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which I had said to Darren in a text. He sent me a message to say, does he dance in this one? I said, yes. <laughs> I didn't think he did. I thought this is the one where he didn't. So <laughs> the <there>, one. <laughs> we're, we're already tearing into our spoilers here. Yes, he does dance briefly. 
I don't know. Have we talked about that on the podcast? I, don't, I think, I don't know if we just talked about that off the podcast, mm. but yeah. It's definitely something where I've pointed out that it annoys me that in every movie he's in, he finds a way to dance for at least 30 seconds. Yeah, I, I love it. Justin hates it. <laughs> <laughs> we know Sam Rockwell from a lot of things. Charlie's Angels, Matchstick Men. He's done a lot of things. Yeah. It does also star Kevin Spacey, though only in voice. Yeah, he recorded it in a day. I'm not surprised. Yeah. I did wonder if they'd had him on set at all. No, he just watched the finished cut and then did his lines and he was done. It's amazing what they pulled off with what they did. Yeah. We can't really get into that too much because there's some major spoilers coming up, but that does impress me. It also stars Benedict Wong and Matt Berry, but only briefly. Matt Berry, you would know from Toast of London or What We Do in the Shadows, the series. Okay. Or the IT crowd. Let's talk a little bit about the director, Duncan Jones. Yes, son of David Robert Jones. You've lost me. David Bowie. Oh, okay. That's his real name. Really? Yeah, that's why it's called Jones. Because I was thinking that, why is he not called Duncan Bowie? Because David Bowie's his stage name. <laughs> his real name is David, David Robert Jones. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Does not change how I feel. <laughs> Moon was, I believe, his first feature film. Great source code. Pretty good. good. Warcraft. <laughs> oh. Yeah. And then did you watch Mute? I did, yeah. That's the only reason I know uh, that this is part of a trilogy. Uh, Moon is actually part of a trilogy. Is it? Yeah. I didn't like Mute. I hated Mute. It was awful. But there's a great bit in there that shows that it's part of the Moon universe. I saw that on the IMDb trivia because I totally forgot it. Most of Mute, I don't remember. It's terrible. That's why. The that's all is, I remember. The acting is so cringe. It's awful. It's an awful film. Paul Rudd is great in it, but even then, that doesn't save the whole thing, man. It's two hours long as well. It's terrible. It's dire. I think it's one of those movies where it has good bits, maybe some good visuals. It's got great visuals. Very cyberpunk, futuristic, but that's it. The sad thing is, though, that's a steady decline. And did you see what he's working on next? He's working on Rogue Trooper. Yes. <laughs> and I am both excited for that but also like holding my hands to my head going no <laughs> oh, oh yeah i mean i'll, I'll have to watch it I ha it's one of my favorite characters from 2080 but i'm expecting the worst 2080 being the magazine known for having judge dread yeah it is a space movie it does take place on the moon it is sci-fi it is sort of Mind-bending, interesting, but then by the end, it's not so much. They spill the beans pretty much at the 30-minute mark, I think. Yeah. So my recommendation would be, we've probably already given away more than you need and more than you should know. So what I would say is go into it knowing as little as possible. Yeah. Yeah, don't don't read any reviews about it. If you don't if you've never seen it before, definitely not cuz you'd be ruining something great. And I would say don't even listen to this, which is a terrible thing for us to say as our podcast, but don't listen to this, don't watch this video until you've seen the movie. Mm -hmm. This one is worth it. Yeah. We both recommend it. We both suggest that. I really want to start talking about other stuff, but I'm afraid I'm going to get into some spoiler territory. So, with that in mind, if you have not seen Moon from 2009, do yourself a favor, go see it. If you have seen it, 
or you really don't care about spoilers, well, join us in the spoiler section. Here is your spoiler warning. So, first of all, why is everything in Korean? The station is called Sarang. Yeah, which is love. Love. And in there's like a little training, not training, there's like a corporate video of the, we're sending you back to Earth in the box kind of thing. And then at the end of the training video, the doctor says, Anyonghi Yeseo. That's true, he does. In the worst In the worst way. accent ever, yeah. It's obviously, Anyonghi Yeseo. But, like, what's the, I don't know. Does, does everybody speak Korean in the future? Well, maybe that's the idea. I do wonder, did you look if any of the production companies are Korean? No, I didn't. I didn't look, no. I think it's an interesting choice. Typically, with that kind of thing, especially now, and probably the last, kind of after this movie, everybody be putting Chinese in there in somewhere yeah, to appeal to that market in some way, and usually in the worst way. Transformers? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why they chose that. It does seem an interesting choice. Maybe he just liked Korean. Like, I just like I like the way that the, the language looks. I don't know. It's striking, and it's not Chinese. People will look at it, and maybe they won't know what it is. So it's a little bit, little bit lesser known. And this was long before the BTS craze. Mm-hmm. I don't think even Gangnam Style had come out at this point. So I'm not sure why he would have chosen that one. It happens so little outside of the name of the station. I didn't really think about it mm-hmm. much until. I- that awkward bit, yeah, in the I'm going to send you away pod. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we are in the spoiler section, so we're going to get into some mm. big stuff early on, I think. I don't know. I think it was just a choice to have a language that was different, and possibly one that felt a bit safe. Mm-hmm. Because it wasn't going to... I would say that it's one that feels less in many ways politically charged mm-hmm. than, say... Chinese or Japanese, yeah. Or Russian. Russian, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It definitely stuck out, but only in like those three times. So it's not as though when he's getting the reports, he's speaking or getting reports in Korean. I think if we were getting more of that, then I would be more like, why? What's going on? Yeah. And it might make more sense if the main character was Korean or of Korean descent Mm -hmm. in some way. But I don't think Sam Rockwell is. (laughs) Doesn't look very Korean to me. So I'm not sure. Yeah. We open... With a commercial. Yeah. Where are we now, it says. Apparently, energy is now being harvested from rocks on the moon. The energy is somehow stored in it, and it's called helium-3. It is a gas that can be launched to the U.S. as soon as you have a canister full of it. And it's supposedly quite a real a real thing as well. That's like a real a real option they're looking to in the future. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Strip mining the moon in the future is something that they're looking to do for that H3. It's a real it's a real reaction. When you use it in the fusion process, it doesn't produce radioactive material at the end. Oh. Uh, you get a, a nuclear reaction, but you don't actually get the waste. It is a thing. So there's a bit of hard science yeah. in this fiction. Yeah. Okay, that's very good to know. The company is called Lunar Industries Limited. Pretty basic, <laughs> but... I will lunar, say, lunar Industries trying to get unobtainium. Lunar Industries, as the name works for me, it's simple. It does what it should. Whereas I just finished Tron 2.0, and the evil corporation in that is called Future Co. And that, to me, was a bit... That's a bit more unobtainium than, <laughs> than this. I like the logo, too. It's very yeah. basic. Mm-hmm. It looks like something they would actually use as a real logo. Yeah, We're going to see Sam on a treadmill. This is how we're introduced to him. 
is sort of symbolic of his life. He has to do the same thing day in and day out, apparently for three years. His t-shirt also says, wake me when it's quitting time. Yeah. Which is also very fitting of the whole theme and what happens in this movie. His assistant is a robot called Gertie, and we're going to see Gertie glide across in the foreground. All of this opening stuff happens very quickly, but it really sets the tone of what the movie is, what the movie looks like, and the theme long before we even really get into what's going on. I don't know why it's called Gertie, though, and that does bother me a little bit. Is it like G-E-R-T-Y? stands for something, maybe? I've got no idea. That's the thing. If you're going to do that and you're going to put it in all caps, it seems like it should. Yeah. And Gertie, to me, is traditionally a female name, so why choose Kevin Spacey to do the voice? I don't know. The whole thing feels a little weird to me, (laughs) but I can let it go. I guess I don't need that for everything, but I just always wonder why. They give them these names, and I'm kind of like, well, why? Or what does it stand for? When he, very early on, we get the shots of him in sort of the control room, and all of the mining rovers, he's labeled sort of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Though I think Luke has been changed to Judas because it's always a troublemaker. (laughs) Why stick to this name? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it only responds, maybe it's programmed to only respond to Gertie. But it seems like this character of Sam Bell would change the name if he didn't like it, if he found a way. Right. And he's not stupid. He's quite clever throughout a lot of this movie. So I just don't quite understand that one. Why give it that name? Is it fitting in some way? The only Gertie I've known in my life was pretty old. So is that the kind of thing? Is it meant to be sort of a, a grandparent type character? Right. I don't know. But I was wondering if you had seen anything. No, I haven't. I, I didn't look into it um, at all, to be honest. Gertie is a really clever design. Blocky, but looks real. Yes. And I think probably was a physical puppet of some sort mm. that was moving and gliding across. The main sort of torso has a cup holder. That is disgusting from all the coffee that's been spilled on it. It has post-it notes on it. And there are arms that seem to be not necessarily attached to the torso. Somewhat like Wally, where... Telescopic arms kind of things. Well, I was thinking as well where Otto controls different parts. And not necessarily... Mm. You know, we often think of robots being as one piece. But why couldn't it just be connected throughout the whole ship. Yeah, it is the ship kind of thing, yeah. And I like that a lot. I like the little emoticon face it's got to tell you how it's feeling. Yes, and I think that that's part of why the lines are read the way they are. Mm -hmm. I think that it's meant to sound robotic, but without overdoing it, without being totally monotone. Yeah. And having those emoticons just adds that little bit of this is what the robot is feeling and gives it... So much more emotion than you would expect. Yeah, it gives it a personality and rather than just a straightforward how, you know. What I love about this is how it's it's not an evil robot. And I, I love that. I, was, I remember watching this the first time going, all right, when's the robot going to screw us over? And it never comes. And I think that there are moments where it plays with that as well. Yeah. And we're going to get into that. But it's not just the design of Gertie, but the design of the rovers, the design of... The base itself, Mm -hmm. it looks lived in. It has so many little elements like the ladder he has to climb up to get into the control area. It looks like he's duct taped a couple pads on there because his hands were getting rough from going up and down it. But they're not new. They've been there for a while. Yeah. 
And it's not like they've made this the most interesting, amazing thing ever. It just looks very practical. Yeah, it's boring, but it's functional. Yeah, it just, yeah, it looks, the choices that they've, that they've gone with are great. And the other thing is that I wanted to mention before I forget is it's a space movie, but it doesn't have those long, boring shots of space. I hate it when, when the, the space movies do that. But what I think they've done well is Clint. Mansell or Mansell, however you say his name, is the he did he did the music for this. He also did the music. He did the music for Pi. He does all of Aronofsky's movies as well. Which maybe we're going to watch Pi someday. Maybe. <laughs> Rolling of the eyes from Justin. <laughs> it's on our list. But yeah, Clint Mansell. He's he does he's done the soundtrack, and I feel like the soundtrack has replaced those long shots. Like it, it gives you that feeling of space without the long space shots. If you know what I mean. We do get some, but they're not long. Yeah. They're really quick cuts of things, which, yeah, in many ways works better. That's part of where the pacing works. Mm. You do need to break up a little bit. Yeah, like the traveling. So we'll, we'll, we'll get those space shots when he's in the rover because we need to know he's going somewhere. But I mean as well for things like just cutting between scenes so that we know time has mm -hmm. passed. When you're stuck on a base, you can't hop in a car and go to the store, and then do the next scene. At most, you can walk into the other room, but how do you show that time has passed right. without being able to change day to night or anything of that kind? And so I think that what they've done is great of having those just real quick shots of the moon, especially showing the lines of where the mine rovers have gone and strip mine right. sections. Yeah. I think that that's great. Getting shots of the earth is great. And it's just real quick, and it's just enough to do that in between without breaking the pace, like you said, not giving us a three-minute-long shot of a satellite or something. Right. I will say this, though, as the movie starts up. I really want movies to stop doing this. I want TV to stop doing this. Stop making the credits appear as though they exist in that world. <laughs> I was thinking that I was watching it. It's like, it's like something a, uh, like a graphic novel would do. You know, yeah. it's like that, where they put, like, written by, inked by, whatever. I'm fine with that. Yeah. But in a movie, it feels way overdone. Yeah, and it was it was done quite noticeably in this yeah. as well. It was, like, on the side of the rover, in on the wall, in the in the thing. That's the one that really got me, because they added the shadow and everything, as yeah. though it just exists there. But then why doesn't it exist later? I don't yeah. understand why they want to do this. Please just stop. Just stop. <laughs> <laughs> There are some clever ways to do that, I'm sure. But in this kind of movie, it just feels out of place. I think you can do that more in comedy. Right. Or some other things where it's not going to be a set that we're going to pass by 30 times in this movie. If it's just on an umbrella or it happens to be on a sign that somebody's passing on the street, but we're never going to see that sign again. Okay, that's all right. I can kind of deal with that. But... It doesn't work here. It doesn't feel that way here to me. Sam is recording a report. He's bothered a bit by the light, so he closes the shades. I think this is already to indicate that something's going wrong. Yeah, he's starting to break down, basically. Yeah, he's looking pretty disheveled by this point already. But at this point, we don't know that. No, no, it could just be the rigors of space, you know? Yeah, especially after having lived alone for three years. Yeah. Like I said, the rovers are called uh, Matt, Mark, Luke, and John, but Luke has been marked to Judas. Matt is having issues, so Sam goes out in person to check. And what he does is he gets into this huge six-wheel 
transport rover. So I basically split those up into transport rover and mining rover. Something I didn't notice the first time and probably not even much the second time is that anytime he goes out in the rover, you're going to hear very subtly searching for long range comms failure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So even from the very early on, there is that hint of he's trying to communicate, but he can't. There's something wrong. I didn't really get that. You definitely get that. The movie doesn't hide that from you, but it's just subtly here at this point in the movie. And this kind of tying back to when we talked about Ghost in the Shell, this is the type of thing that I think that you can do early movie. Give these kind of hints. Whereas that one I felt like, no, that's a major part of what this movie is. It is here, but it's just part of it. It's a hint of what it is. Yeah. We don't really even need to know that this is happening because this is all going to be explained later. And well. Yeah. An interesting thing here, a good choice I think they made is he drives the personal transport right into the back of the mining rover, somewhat like Knight Rider from the 80s. Right. <laughs> and this makes sense. How do you get onto the mining rover without it having to stop work? It is hinting that that is so important to this company and this production that he has to sort of dangerously do this every time. And this is so routine. He's not nervous about it. He takes his helmet off. He just is relaxed going ahead and doing yeah. this. And he can get in and harvest, grab one of those big canisters, again, without having the machine stop. So he can just keep producing. Mm -hmm. We're going to see him leave a report. His hair and beard are very long. He looks pale. His nose almost looks a bit bruised. Yeah. But I'm not sure what that's from. Like you said, he's getting a bit rough. Mm -hmm. He splices in... Bits of conversation about, hey, what's been going on down there? Been to any parties? He's bored and he's yeah. lonely. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for the football recording. It was almost like live. <laughs> <laughs> and then he says, three years is a long haul. It's way, way, way too long. Yeah. And I thought that was a terrific line to say probably how he's feeling. I don't know that we know yet that there's only two weeks to go but we're going to learn it very mm -hmm. soon he mentioned that he's been talking to himself which when you've already seen it ha 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 isn't that funny because you're going to keep doing that but in a very different way yeah. soon he draws smiley faces uh next to the toilet to keep track of time in some way i'm not really sure how that works is he drawing them as though there aren't that many so I wouldn't even imagine that he's got enough for each week. I kind of wonder if it's whiteboard and he's erasing them as he goes. I have no idea. Or something he's just started doing. That part, I feel I feel like there's something there. And maybe it's been cut or something like that. But it feels like that there's part of a puzzle there that I just don't understand. Because it would be full. There would be, well, almost a thousand of them. Yeah, but if he was doing it per week, yeah. then there'd be 150. But there's not 150 of them. No. And I think that there's more than 14. Yeah. So that's where I don't like, quite... Yeah, it's like if, if he was counting down his last two weeks, which is what I thought it was. Yeah. But there's about 50 there. I thought it was to hazard a guess. It just seems like 40 or 50. And some of them are smiley faces. Some of them are, are not smiley faces. Some of them are, are frowns. Yeah, I think maybe it's just like him getting to the end of his tether kind of thing, like mentally. I mean, he's just trying to keep track of his emotions now. I've got no idea. Yeah, I'm not sure. The thing is, he does replace it later when... It's gone. So it's mm. very important to him. Yeah, yeah. 
I just didn't catch. I didn't catch it. Listeners, if you figure it out, let us know. Yep. We've missed it. It's probably something obvious and we've just missed it. Mm-hmm. He launches the H3 container. He's putting it in to launch. And Gertie says, I can help with that. And sort of gets in the way. And he bumps his arm on Gertie. Like, get, get out of the way. <laughs> I like that. How Gertie is almost human, kind of, in a sense. He's like, why won't you just listen to me? <laughs> He's getting his haircut by Gertie using one of those, like, Floby. It's like a vacuum cleaner. Yeah. <laughs> and he's stabbing the chair. Obviously, he's feeling frustrated mm-hmm. in probably many ways here. And he's trying to talk to Gertie because Gertie's the only thing he can talk to, really. Mm-hmm. But while the vacuum is going, he can't really have a conversation, especially when it's on your head. He says that he's been getting headaches. And this, I think, is where we get the specific, it's only two weeks from the end of the contract, and we see him carving his model town. Mm-hmm. Sam gets a recorded message from his wife <laughs> via the Jupiter link, so the Jupiter link always seems to work. But now he's shaved, he's got his hair trimmed, he looks much more ready to go, not like he's given up. Yeah. But that's probably tying into the... I've only got two weeks to go. I've got to start getting ready. I, I need to start getting ready to go back to living in society again. Being, being human again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the young daughter is brought in saying, Daddy's an astronaut. Very cute. But there is a rough jump cut in the video, which we see Sam's reaction. And he does not look happy about it. But at the same time, he lets it go. I would think if you're getting messages bounced to Jupiter and back, it's not totally unusual. Mm-hmm. The fact that he noticed it and made that expression tells us something wasn't quite right. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that a date or something was cut out of there, but badly. (laughs) You would think this very rich company would have a better way to Photoshop stuff together. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, if they can can clone people, then they they can't edit a video. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it is important that we get that reaction because... In my mind, if I just saw that, I wouldn't think anything probably until later. Because again, I'd be thinking, oh, you're sending digital files all the way to Jupiter and then back to the moon? Something could go wrong there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Sure, it would be a little bit fuzzy. He talks to the plants as he waters them. He's created all sorts of stories for them. Ooh, I think this one likes you. Oh, this one's not happy with you today. (laughs) Just go slowly crazy. One thing I really like is the fact that they use these old food containers so you see them in the kitchen area just a huge stack of them Mm -hmm. and he's used them in this case to become planters for these plants yeah he's watching tv but everything he gets to watch on tv is really old even by 2009 standards he's watching bewitched and mary tyler moore i recognize bewitched but i don't know who mary tyler moore is some old 1960s thing is it I forget sometimes. Like <laughs> you didn't, you didn't grow up in the US. You didn't see all this stuff on no. rerun and syndication and things. No, the only my, my only connection to Mary Tyler Moore is it's a line from Buddy Holly by Weezer. That's the only thing I know about her. She was in a number of like really important sitcoms and shows, okay. and kind of everybody in that show has become somebody you would probably know. Ah, okay, so it's, it's like the the original Seinfeld. No, it's not really original Seinfeld, but it is definitely something special that most people would recognize. Much like Bewitched, people would recognize it. Even people who haven't seen it 
would at least have an idea of what it is, I mm. think. At least in 2009, they would have. He <laughs> he does, speaking of old stuff, he does the clap on, clap off <laughs> to turn the TV on. <laughs> I noticed that as well. I was like, Wayne's World now? Okay. <laughs> He's pouring hot water, I'm assuming, to make tea or something. But he gets distracted and burns his hand. Now, when he gets distracted by it, it's not the TV, which is what he tries to tell Gertie, but a young woman sitting in a chair. Yeah. Do we want to discuss her now or later? Let's go for it, man. Just, just, let's do it now. Is it Eve? I think so, but doesn't really look like her, does it? That was my thought. The credits don't credit girl in girl yellow dress chair. or anything. Yeah. Later on, in bed, it's definitely his wife. Yes. But that girl in the chair is not his wife. It's definitely not his wife, so I'm leaning towards it must be her. Mm. But I'm not sure how that would be, and that kind of leads into one of the major questions for me. I think maybe we should hit that at the end. Mm -hmm. There are just a few things where it's really just niggling in my brain always about this movie. And I'm kind of wondering if you have already in your brain already filled it in. Mm. Or if you saw something that maybe I didn't. The fact that you are also not quite sure doesn't bode well that you <laughs> it in. But it does bode well that I didn't miss something. No, I don't think so. I, I was I was genuinely confused by that because Eve is his daughter, yeah? Yes. And so it definitely does look like her, but he shouldn't have any memory of her. That's my big problem, yeah. Let's table that for now and bring that up as one of my questions for mm. at the end. Sam, as I said, lies to Gertie about why he burned his hand. Gertie says, you said you were distracted by the TV, but the TV was off. All right, Mom. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just leave me alone. When Sam sleeps, he is dreaming of his wife, of kissing, making love, and he's woken by an alarm, <laughs> which the alarm song is, I am the one and only. That's what the lyrics start off with, which is kind of funny. Yeah. Everything about this bedroom feels very Sam Rockwell. There's a tambourine, as though this is the important thing he thought he should take with him, is a tambourine. Yeah, yeah. You got limited space. We can only take, like, 10 kilos of luggage. He's like, I'm taking a tambourine. <laughs> there is a drawing of a window with all sorts of family pictures around it on the wall. But this clock is the thing that just baffles me the most. Not only does it play this music, but it looks like an old-fashioned just bell alarm and it's a digital clock. <laughs> what is this thing? Is this thing real? Probably. Yeah. Probably his <laughs> clock. Honestly, that wouldn't surprise me. Maybe they said to him, bring, bring some stuff from your house, Sam, yeah. that he would make you feel comfortable on set. And that's it. It's like it's at the beginning of Taskmaster when they asked them to bring five special items, you know? I could totally see that. And I think, again, that's part of why this movie works. Sam Rockwell feels like he is part of this world because... I think in many ways, they've sort of synergized together, the world and Sam, as they were making this movie. And mm. it, it, it's a wonderful thing. Sam is sweating a lot at this point. So again, more indications that something is not right. He's struggling when he's running now, which he didn't seem to be in the opening. He eats breakfast out of these... Okay, so we know it's out of these sort of paper cardboard containers, but also... Every individual thing, like the beans, are all individually wrapped. Mm -hmm. Gertie offers hot sauce, and he says, no, my tummy is tender today. So again, something is wrong. He records a report, and as he's doing it, there's a blink of old footage of himself. And he's confused by that, but again, just kind of lets it go. I'm getting the impression 
that Sam has seen lots of these things Mm -hmm. and just kind of let them go. He's noticed, but perhaps just wrote them off as the base is glitchy in some way. Yeah. Yeah. Or I'm tired. I'm I'm hallucinating a little bit already. You know, maybe it's just me. Yeah. And also psychologically, maybe this is just me from being alone too long. Yeah. He seems a bit afraid to say those kind of things, though. Even to Gertie, he doesn't Mm. openly talk about a lot of that stuff for quite a lot of the movie. And he just lets it go. I think there might be a part of him that would be afraid that if he admitted something was wrong, he wouldn't be able to finish his contract. Yeah, I I saw that as a different way. I saw that as it's maybe part of his character and who he is. And once we start talking about who he is as a real person and the problems he's having with his wife and stuff and his real life, then that's where that comes into play. He goes out to check a problem with Matthew. He's again, you'll hear that checking for signal but failing. Mm -hmm. Just as he's about to get into the mining rover, he sees the girl in yellow again. And this time he crashes his transport into the mining rover dirt and debris are piling up on top, puts the helmet on. I think we either cut to black or we cut to space scenes. Mm -hmm. And then Sam wakes up on the infirmary table. Gertie says, you've had an accident. Everything's okay now, though, but you need to stay here and we'll run some tests. You'll be up and okay in a few days. We are in the spoiler section. This is Sam 2. Yeah. But I do want to say, this is an absolutely brilliant storytelling mechanic to throw in here to say this is the way he always wakes Mm -hmm. he always wakes to saying you've been in an accident and we as the viewer don't know that gertie is talking about a different accident right an accident from when sam first woke up and first came here and that to me like i said it is just brilliant because it is still keeping the story going and is seamless but is part of just the routine it's part of the loop Mm-hmm. Just great. Yeah. And it fooled me the first time as well. And it honestly fooled me the second time too, because I wasn't sure, is this when it changes oh, over right, right. or is there something else? In my head, I had remembered other scenes that did not exist. I think I've attributed a few other scenes from movies into this one that were not there. <laughs> okay. Other moments where I thought there was quiet talking between the two of them and it isn't there. So mm-hmm. I filled it in. And like I said, I've probably adapted that from some other sci-fi stuff that i've seen sam leaves the infirmary at one point but he can barely stumble around he overhears gertie having a talk to the executives yeah in real time yes it is a live conversation with back and forth he can't really hear what they are saying but you can tell that it's back and forth yeah and we don't really get to hear what they're saying either which is a shame but we get the idea like oh yeah everything's going to plan don't worry about it i don't think it's a shame I think that that's the right move here. Mm. I, would, I would have liked to have heard it, but it's just me. <laughs> it's because you want to know everything. Yeah, yeah. I think the fact that it was a back and forth is enough to mm. make this Sam question what is going on. Yeah. And I think that that leads heavily into the fact that he is questioning everything from the beginning, whereas the other one doesn't seem to. Mm-hmm. Oh, let me say this now. I've already kind of mentioned this. But the Sam that we started with, I'm going to refer to as Sam 1, and this one is going to be Sam 2, just to sort of keep them separate. I know that's not their probable actual numbers. No. We'll get into that when we get into when they find the secret room, Mm -hmm. but it's just easier. Yeah, Sam 1, Sam 2. Yeah. Gertie claims to have been recording a report. Sam says it's bright and asks for sunglasses. 
even at this early stage, wanting sunglasses. So maybe this is an issue with all of the clones, that they're all sensitive to light in some way? Maybe, yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, technically, he's never used his eyes before. So that's probably why. That's a good point. Sam is being tested by Gertie, but desperate to get out and work. Probably just bored from laying on this <laughs> bed, doing nothing all day. Dreams of being in bed with his wife, looks under the covers, and sees a bearded Sam reaching out a hand. And this is one of the other questions that I want to talk about. Is there a psychic connection between all of the clones in some way? I think we're led to believe that this one, because we get a shot of the crashed rover, I think, after this, that it's meant to be Sam one reaching out psychically. But why is he still all bearded and stuff? Yeah, I, I, I don't know about that. Maybe just visually, just to make them different. Yeah, but I think if that's the case, then we shouldn't have had him trimmed yet. <laughs> True, true. But I think what the movie's getting at, and what it does really well, is it shows that no clone is the same. They're not copies of each other. And so each Sam has its own kind of uniqueness to it. And so I think Bearded Sam is Bearded Sam. He just cleans up. But I think that is Bearded Sam because we get mustached Sam in another clip. We get different Sams. So they're all clones and they should be, they're genetically identical, but their personalities are different. And so I think this is Maybe Bearded Sam is real. That That's his real character. But yeah, I got the feeling that it was kind of like that, that whole thing where they say that twins can feel each other's emotions and things like that. So it's like twins reaching out to each other psychically. I, and I'm, I'm totally on board with that. That's fine. Sam sabotages a pipe so he can get out. Claims, oh, I think it was a meteorite or something. <laughs> yeah. So I need to get out of here. Gertie reluctantly lets Sam out. He notices that the suit and the transport like the personal transport seemed to be missing. Yeah. He doesn't say anything. He doesn't go, huh, where is that suit? Yeah. They're not obvious about it, but you can see he goes to that rack first. It's not there. He looks puzzled and then goes to the other one. A lot of great showing, not telling in Mm. this movie. Yeah. And this is a very good example of that. Mm -hmm. Even this Sam on the way is, you're going to hear the checking for comms. Mm. (laughs) So no matter what version we get, it seems like they're always going to be doing that. I don't know if that is something the rover is set to do. I suspect it wouldn't be. I imagine Sam's already programmed it to just automatically. That, that's his boot-up function now. Is just that it's always looking for comms. Could be. Sam 2 will find Sam 1 still alive and crashed in the rover, brings him back, demands Gertie, tell me who this is, who is this? Sam 1 will wake up, very sort of delirious, not sure what's going on. Gertie, is there somebody in here with us? <laughs> and Gertie always does a thing where if Gertie doesn't want to answer, Gertie will deflect. Yes, Are you hungry, Sam? Can I make you something? That's the most common deflect, I think. Yeah. But Gertie says it is happy to see Sam again, and I think that this is true. Mm-hmm. Especially given what we see later. We also can tell this is scalded Sam. He's got that hand that is scalded, so that helps to separate them even though they're both mostly trimmed and shaved now. Mm-hmm. The fact that one is super pale helps too. <laughs> right, yeah. But it's those little things that do indicate to us, yes, this is the Sam we saw before. It's not some other Sam. <laughs> yeah, that hand burning was definitely very on purpose for the movie. Sam too is going to listen to a message from his wife. It sounds a bit like she's breaking up with him. 
Yeah, because she keeps on saying, or is it maybe later on, she's like, I think this is good for us, like you being away for three years on this three-year contract. Is, okay. that, is that later on? I think you're confusing two of them. So this one is where she's saying, I don't know, three years is a long time. We've got some stuff to work out. Mm. I think this is when she perhaps broke up with him for six months. Okay. I think he's getting older messages. Right. And Sam won is ahead he's Ah, going to get the one where i think it was the one with the daughter where she said actually i think this has been good for you right because as we find out sam when he was three years younger had a real temper yeah he's got anger issues and yeah that's probably why he took the job (laughs) just to save his marriage kind of thing almost sam one will walk out he'll see sam two working out he seems much fitter he's yeah boxing skipping rope Sam one talks to Gertie and is upset. Gertie says, I've not reported that you're alive. I'm here to keep you safe, Sam. Mm -hmm. Which I think is one of the two probably most important Gertie lines we have. And very fitting for how Gertie is motivated throughout the whole movie. Sam one sees the smiley faces on the toilet area are gone. So like I said, (laughs) he redraws them. And he says two weeks, which makes me think that it's tied to that in some way. But again, I didn't count them, but I think it's more than 14. It looks more. Sam 1 will confront Sam 2, who's working out. I don't know if he's still working out or if he's working out again. But they argue over who gets the slippers. Hey, I'm using those. No, they're my slippers. (laughs) It's going to be sort of indicative of their early relationship. Very antagonistic. Sam 2 has been here about a week. And Sam 1 tries small talk, but the younger version is not interested in that at all. Sam 2 says he's annoyed that he's talking to a clone, and Sam 1 denies it. I'm not a clone. You must be the clone. You're the clone. But that's good as well, because that really sets... I think maybe that's that's the part I wanted to talk about with the show-and-tell thing, where it doesn't set up, it doesn't have to explain, oh, clones are this, and this is where it fits in. We can tell now, by th- that one exchange, clones are normal in this place that they are from. They don't... <gasps> I'm a clone? Like, is is it's almost matter of fact. It must be something common that's happening on Earth that's already been uh, happening for years, maybe. Maybe the movie didn't want to do it like that, but it just, it doesn't feel like a big surprise or a big reveal. It's like, I'm not the clone, you're the clone. You know, they're, they're almost like just angry about it. They're not like, oh my God, we're clones. I like that because it, it speaks a lot of the world that they live in. I'm not sure though, because of the way that they both reacted strongly when finding out that there was another version of themselves but they weren't shocked by it enough for me that's possible and i will give you that and that does help to me i just interpreted that as sam too is very perceptive Mm. and he was just saying i get it already i know what's happened Mm. i know it's possible i didn't expect it to be me right but just like the lack of you know oh my god they can clone people like it seems like oh yeah clones are real yeah and and now we're in this situation. And it's only 2035 as well. <laughs> so it's like not too far in the future. <laughs> I think that's fine if that's the way you want to interpret it. I'm always going to kind of interpret it as they are just using the logical side of their brains and not letting the emotion mm. side of that get to them. Sam 1 is watering his plants, talking to them. Sam 2 is watching them annoyed. Sam 1 thanks him for being saved. But is denied a handshake, even just a handshake. I haven't touched another human being in three years. Yeah. Can you just shake my hand? Maybe later. <laughs> they play ping pong. Sam 1 is very good at it. Sam 2 is 
awful and gets very annoyed about it. And I love this whole dynamic of just Sam 1 is a bit older, a bit calmer, mm. and Sam 2 is just this hothead. And it works so well. And I said this later in my notes somewhere, that Sam Rockwell just has amazing chemistry with himself. Yeah. Like, it just <laughs> works well. Because you know he's got a stand-in. Yeah. It's even in the credits that there's a, I think it's referred to as Sam clone or something. There's somebody just standing in, maybe even giving the lines. Yeah. But... It doesn't feel that way. No, it's utterly believable. That's one thing I wrote down is Sam's performance in that is so believable that it's almost like there are two of him. Effects aside, like where you can't see that he's been spliced in or how they've done. Yeah. The, the I mean, that impressed me as well, but it's more his acting yeah, ability. And he's reacting to stuff. So he's obviously said the line, remembered how he's supposed to say that line and then reacted properly to that line in, in, in another take. That's really talented, man. That's amazing. I, I think... His performance in this is really, yeah, like you said, it's probably, he's not going to get better than this. Because of that, though, because he was bad at it, Sam 2 is annoyingly practicing yeah. alone. <laughs> While our first Sam is building the model. How long have you been doing that? One says, I don't remember doing all of it. Mm. Which is a huge indicator. And 2 latches onto that almost right away. Yep. 2 recognizes it as Fairfield. Which, I don't know exactly where Fairfield is, but... It must be the town where they live, yeah. because Tess is somehow mentioned into this as well. Their family is, or this is where she's... I don't think it's where she's from, because she's from Ireland. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, she's from Ireland. I've totally forgot that. (laughs) But... I'm I'm guessing this is where they live, yeah. But two doesn't know anything about Eve, so that is all news to him. Mm. There's a message from headquarters... The Eliza rescue mission, I think coming from Jupiter, arrives in 14 hours. Yeah. Sam 1 is happy. He's finally going home. The rescue mission, the three Russian hitmen. <laughs> they look like absolute bruisers. Those are actually um, guys from the effects team. That's the, just, this is three mugshots from people on, on the crew. Sam 2 says that they will fix the rover, but no one is going to Earth. Mm. And so, to me, Sam 2, like I said, very perceptive already knows what's going on but having this 14 hours is a great device in the story because it limits the amount of time and i think that's part of what makes it not have wasted time is because once you put in that time limit Mm. everything happens it's almost unbelievable how much happens in 14 hours but it does work for me and i like that and it builds a tension that might not be there normally yeah, uh, this is almost like the halfway point of the film as well. I think this is like I think this happens about fifty. I wrote, I wrote down here fifty-one minutes in, and it's like, oh man, we've still got half the movie to go. So there's there's quite a lot of time to play with. Yeah, like you said, they they use the time really well. They're again arguing about who's a clone. Sam one asked to Gertie if he is a clone, and as usual, Gertie deflects. <laughs> Are you hungry, Sam? Sam one returns to the model. Two says there might be other clones and starts looking for them. There's got to be a secret room. And Sam 1 says, yeah, you might find some buried treasure while you had to go for yeah. it. <laughs> he has a great point, though, and this is exactly why they probably did it, saying, of course we're clones, and of course there are probably more. You think they could have sent me up here in enough time to wake up and get out there and save you? Mm. I must have already been here. There must be others here. Yeah. From a business standpoint, a clone doesn't need to be retrained mm. if you ship multiples out here it saves on shipping costs of getting them out here yeah it's a total win for the business and he's exactly right yeah 
they have a huge fight when two wants to look behind the model that one has been working on, flips it over, they fight. One is far more easily injured than he should be. Mm -hmm. This is, again, even two going, I didn't really hit you that hard. But blood is just sort of gushing out of his nose, I think. Gertie and Sam one talk. Gertie has the sad face on because one is starting to realize what's going on. He admits to the fight. He's mad about the model. This is where he says, you know how long I've been working on that? And Gertie doesn't know this is a rhetorical question. Yeah. Whenever Sam asks anything, Gertie is programmed or maybe has learned. I'm not sure how we feel about Gertie. But either way, the response is to help out in any way possible. So as soon as he asks that question, Gertie has a response. Yeah, he's got an answer for him. 938 hours, approximately. Mm. Which, I've done a bit of math here. That would be just 24 hours a day. That would be 39 days. Yeah, I had to do some math on that as well. <laughs> so I was like, how many, how many days is that? I thought it was way longer than what it was, but it's not actually that long. If it's 8 hours a day, that's 117. Mm. So if he's been doing this for 4 hours a day, that's, I mean, about a year. Mm. So it does make sense. Yeah. But the part with two is you don't even remember doing it all. Yeah. So another one started it then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is where he also starts confiding in Gertie and says that the younger Sam's anger scares him. He sees why Tess left for six months. Mm. I have probably never told you this, but there was this time where we broke up and it looked like we weren't going to be together for about six months. But Gertie does know that already. Not probably from this Sam, but from a different Sam. Mm -hmm. Sam asks about the hundred messages that he sent. Did Tess get those? And for every one of these kind of questions at this point, Gertie says, I can only account for what's happened on the base. Mm. I can only account for what's happened on the base. And I don't know if that's to say there's a block in what Gertie is allowed to say and can only talk about things on the base, or if Gertie just really doesn't know isn't given that information. Gertie knows everything that happens on the base, yep. but not outside of it. So I'm not really sure. Did you take that one way or, or the other? Either that or, like you said, his whole point is to keep Sam safe and happy. So maybe he knows if he says, well, actually, no, maybe it would send him off the rails kind of thing. Like, my life has been meaningless and blah, 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 blah. He asks again if he is a clone. And Gertie says, when you first arrive, there is a crash. And admits, actually tells Sam now, no deflecting, that's a lie. Yeah. We always start that way so that we can have an excuse to test you and make sure there are no genetic defects mm -hmm. or any sort of mental defects in the clone before we let you run loose on the station. Yeah. And that's a huge moment. And I think part of why they do that story-wise here is Sam 1 has finally opened up and said something that he felt he'd been hiding from Gertie all this time. And Gertie is now opening up and saying, okay, well, here's something that I've been hiding from mm. you. And it's probably kind of dumb to hide it because you can see that there's a clone here. And yeah. you should be able to start putting that stuff together. This is where Gertie also has not just the sad face, but sort of an animated tear. tear yeah. The memories that Sam has have been implanted from the original Sam Bell. Which leads to an interesting question that I want to get to at the end. But even at this point, Gertie pats Sam on the shoulder <laughs> yeah. in a very loving way. And it could look comical, but it doesn't. Mm. It looks very sweet in yeah. this part. 
Sam One will sit in his total mess of a bedroom. I <laughs> think the mattress is half on the bed and those kind of things, just holding a picture of Tess. We now cut a little bit of time. Sam Two is standing in a bright yellow sleeping bag with arms mm. <laughs> and says, thanks for this. This is pretty comfortable. And he tries to apologize for fighting and for his temper. Sam One plays Walking on Sunshine. This is where we get our dancing. Sam Ruckle dancing. And he's doing it, I think, on purpose to annoy, too. To kind of just push him, push him. Because, as well, he starts insulting the sort of walking sleeping bag. And, like, you look like a radioactive banana. Until he, <laughs> Sam, too, just takes it off. He's like, okay, fine, then. And throws the MP3 player, whatever it is, across the room. Yeah, walking on sunshine, on the moon. Yeah. <laughs> but Sam, too, will tell Sam 1 that... He caught Gertie having the live conversation. So now they both know that information. Two suspects that there are jammers blocking the signal for the comms. They go out searching for the signal. One admits, you know, I've never been this far. We get a warning from the computer saying you're outside the working perimeter. One will see station three, which is the jamming tower, just before the other Sam will find a different tower. Mm -hmm. Sam one kind of in shock goes out. He's in pain and he, he vomits blood. So he's in emotional pain and now physical pain. Two is going to go off and find the other two locations. We're going to cut a bit back and forth between those two things. As Sam one gets back to the base, doesn't really park very well, mm. runs in, gets sick and notices he's got a tooth missing, finds it inside the toilet. Yeah. He is literally falling apart. He goes to the control station, and he can't access his personal logs, his personal videos. Gertie appears, and this to me was a moment of, this is where the robot's going to turn. The robot right. is going to start blocking everything. And instead, without a word, without anything, just reaches past Sam to the keyboard and starts tapping in the password. Yeah. This is where we're going to get what you were talking about before. Each clone does things a little bit differently. This is not a time loop movie. Mm -hmm. So they choose different hairstyles. One's wearing a hat. Others don't wear hats. But they're all falling apart in some way. We also see them get into that pod where they're supposed to be launched back to Earth. Yeah. And it's not totally obvious here, but it is from what we see later that they're just being burnt up. Yeah. We know that because when this Sam goes to explore there, he will find ash outside this vent. Makes me wonder how much ash is in there. Yeah. And is it starting to overflow? Did they not take that into account? We get a warning that the rescue is going to happen in nine hours. As I said, after the ash bit, one will find the entry to the clone room. And when two returns, he shows it to him. They go down there, and they are in bay one. And there is at least six or seven that we can see. Yep. In bay one, I can't remember exactly how many there are, but I think there's like 16 or 20 something like that yeah they open up number seven and <laughs> shrink wrapped with a wake me up when it's quitting time shirt everything yes so everything from the beginning and the slippers that they were fighting the over before are yeah. also in there yeah that's quite interesting i'm also curious as to what numbers these actually would be i think based on eve's age as we're going to find she's about 15 Every three years. Maybe four or five, maybe maximum. Yeah. Especially if you account for accidents, genetic deformities, maybe 
maybe they've gone through 10 clones i don't know about i don't think so because they open up number seven so i'm suspecting that they yeah haven't. so yeah if they go in order then that would make sense yeah so yeah six so yeah. they could be five and six yeah they could be earlier yeah yeah but it doesn't necessarily mean that they are five and six no i, I thought they were i was trying to say they were four and five because they they wake up six but they don't they, they go to get seven i don't they to well they don't actually get him out we don't know which one they wake they, up yeah but I'm just assuming if seven is there, then they're previous to seven, and that's about all we can guarantee. They didn't open up six and see it was empty. Mm. So we don't know exactly what numbers they are, but I'm assuming that at least, say, 12 years have passed, so four clones yeah. must have passed. At the very least, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like you said, there might be mistakes and stuff. I do worry a bit about the food, though. I mean, there are bays and bays of food, but if you look at the food here, some of the sections are empty. Mm-hmm. And that's not nearly enough. Maybe they can send more food if they need to later. But I don't think they have enough to supply for all of these clones. No, no. I'm also impressed at the ability to maintain food integrity if they're expecting all of that food to last all of that time. <laughs> at this point, one is going to go out, going to take the communication device. Gertie asks to help. Sam, one asks on his way out, well, why did you help me with the password? What was that? And here's the other big line. Helping you is what I do. Smile face. Yeah. Those two things are exactly what I feel that's Gertie's motivation for everything as a character. And it works well. If you look at that even as this is a robot and these are the two top commands for the robot to do. Fantastic. Yeah. But in my head, I do kind of feel like some of this is learned. That this is a more AI situation. And that, that ties into what he says at the end as he's leaving, to, what he says to Gertie at the end as well, yeah. Sam one heads out beyond the border. Like I said, he's going to have his conversation with Eve. Mm. I hate this conversation, though. <laughs> and we have to pretty much hear it twice. Yeah. It's really awkwardly written and acted. Like, she's been in a couple of other things, like the sort of horror movie Crawl, which I really like. Boy, the delivery on these lines is <laughs> awful, especially given some of the lines. Can I talk to Tess? Oh, Tess passed away years ago. Are you, are you sure, honey? Are you sure? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I'm her daughter. <laughs> what is that? She's on more robotic than Gertie. <laughs> and it's just such an awkward line. If it had meant to be sarcastic, like, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I'm her daughter. Yeah. But we didn't get that. We no. just got the... Yes, I think so. I'm her daughter. What? <laughs> what? It does not fit. And it just baffles me that they went through with this yeah. this way. Yeah, we get that Eve is 15. We get that Tess passed away. Even as the call starts, she said, can you call back? There's something wrong with the picture. <laughs> it's because it's coming from the moon. <laughs> but she calls back. Dad, someone's asking about mom. What? Who's asking about mom? Mm. It definitely sounds like Sam Rockwell. Yeah, yeah I, I listened to it twice just to make sure. And uh, yeah, it's definitely him. One hangs up, says that's enough. But he's incredibly sad, says I want to go home. He's mm. frustrated. He's crying and hitting the seat and really emotional scene. Yeah. And really well played. We're going to just get a bit of a shot, I think, then of the rover that he's in with the earth rising above the moon. Yeah, just like looking at the earth, yeah. Really fitting. Mm. The Eliza rescue team arrives in seven hours, so we're definitely running out of time now. Mm -hmm. Sam, too, cuts himself carving. One shows him a better way. Don't hold it like you're trying to stab somebody. 
<laughs> Hold it close to the blade. Two notices that one is shaking. One says that the rescuers are going to kill us. You know that, right? Yeah. And two agrees. Sam two is going to put Sam one lovingly to bed. Puts a winter cap on him. And one admits to being scared. Mm. Two sees the bag. He watches the Eve recording. He knows everything. So it's a great movie of Gertie hides stuff, but we're not exactly sure if Gertie's been programmed to hide stuff. Mm -hmm. But these two don't hide stuff from each other. And that's great because that is where a lot of the tension would normally come. Right. The tension here is really, what do we do? We only have seven hours left to make a decision. In bed, one is sweating and shivering. He looks miserable and he dreams of Tess. Two sort of checks up on him, sees that, and hatches a plan with Gertie. We need another clone. Mm-hmm. We can't do that unless we have somebody finish their three-year contract. Do you want to help us? Mm-hmm. If not, we're going to die. And I believe Gertie says, that's the last thing I want. Yeah. And so they hatch the plan. Wake another clone. They're going to put it in the rover. And Sam 1 is going to be put in one of the Helium-3 launchers and sent back to Earth. <laughs> it's really, this is the ultimate part where I just feel like, his chemistry with himself somehow just works so well, where he's just chiding the older Sam one. Zip up your fly. What's wrong with you? What's going on? Put the hat back on. You know? <laughs> you're you're freezing. Just put the hat on. But I'm hot. Yeah, you may think that, but you're you're shivering. Put it on. And this part as well, where he gets in. Are you comfortable? No, it's <laughs> not comfortable. <laughs> what if I have to poop? Well, you gotta hold it. For three days? <laughs> what do you want? What do you want from me? We're out of time. <laughs> like, this, this is it. This whole thing it has bits of comedy, but sort of heartfelt comedy, and I mm. really appreciate these scenes. Yeah. Our first Sam, Sam 1, gets sick again, and he says, my legs don't even work anymore. I can't walk. Mm. I don't think you're going to kill those guys when they get here. I couldn't kill anyone. You can't either. Sam 2 looks like he wants to argue, but then doesn't mm. because he knows he knows same one is right yeah and it's at this point that the plan changes you're the one that has to go you're younger you always wanted to travel yeah i kind of always wanted to do hawaii or mexico mm. bring me back a pina colada like those yeah. kind of moments are just wonderful and it makes sense yeah let's switch basically he said how can i go back and meet eve i'll just scare her you know <laughs> looking like this a little like a zombie on the way out to the rover they share a memory of meeting Tess for the first time and how they had that first date after her internship and all of those things. And as they do, Sam one falls asleep. Yeah. I thought he died at first, but he's not dead. Yeah. He's not dead. And there's just this moment where the camera zooms in on Sam two, just looking over. And this is a moment where I think normally Sam Rockwell would do something, say something, Mm. but this is the perfect moment to just sort of hold and let the viewer add what they think the feeling should be here Mm. it's a perfect moment and really works well for me yeah it's really quite sad as well because i mean imagine basically burying yourself at your own funeral that's what it felt like that's what i took away from it you know like that feeling of my god it would be terrifying and horrible to bury yourself basically Back in the base, Sam 2 is going to start loading up the Helium 3 launcher with stuff to make it more comfortable and to survive for three days. Mm -hmm. Gertie comes up and says, my memory could endanger you. They can get into my records. 
and I have all this memory. The only way is for me to be rebooted and lose all the memories that I have. And Sam 2 says, are you sure you're okay with that? And Gertie again says, yeah, I want to help. That's what I do. This is going to lead to Gertie turning, basically turning its back so that Sam can hit the switches that need to be done. There's a kick me sign that's been on there throughout the whole movie. There's a moment where he's about to walk away and then stops, grabs the kick me sign and, and gets rid of that. Just before all this, though, before Gertie turns around, Gertie has a great last line here of saying, I hope the journey's good, and I hope Earth is what you remember. Mm. Knowing, you know, something like 15 years has probably passed, and your clone, will you be able to survive there? I don't know, but I hope it goes well. It's just a great little bit to add there, and I think that that ties into the removing of the kick me sign. Yeah, it just shows you how their relationship has changed, or how he feels that he's a real person, because that's what he says to him in the end. He says, we're not programs, we're people. He's a clone, so he's viewed as probably by the company as a resource, you know, like a, a usable resource, you know, and yeah, he's nothing but basically a walking machine to them. And so, yeah, so he says to Gertie, yeah, we're not, we're not programs, we're people. And I think he means that for both of them. Hmm. I think it could be taken either way. Yeah. But it is a good line. With eight minutes to go, he's about to climb into the launcher, but then he leaves to reset the coordinates for the mining rover, which is a great moment. Mm. We've already seen this printout. We know what it is. But even if you're not sure, the movie will show you what happens, which is terrific. The Eliza lands just as the door is opening, I think. Two gets in and gets launched out towards Earth. And one lives long enough beautifully to just see the launch go out and know that two is safe yeah. before the quote-unquote rescue crew enters with guns pointed. <laughs> yeah. You okay in there, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> Bag him up. We'll get started on repairs on the rover. Yeah. The mine rover, we're going to see it has turned from its normal course in a radical way and it is going to take out one of the jammers. We're going to see on one of the screens that communication live is now possible on the base. And uh, we get a shot of two screaming in joy entering Earth's atmosphere and clips of audio that clearly relate to the fact that Sam 2 made it and did not just blend in and hide, but made the story well known. Yeah, blew the whistle, basically. And all sorts of different opinions. He's an illegal immigrant. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and this is a travesty. How can we let it get this far? All of these yeah. kind of things leading to a whole bunch of other kind of topics of conversation, but kind of leading into what I kind of want to finish up here. So question one was more about the, the hallucinations of the person in the dress. I don't understand why that works, but I, I think you kind of said the same thing, though. He shouldn't have visions of Eve unless somehow that psychic connection goes from family to, as well, like through DNA. Yeah, or if it connects to the original Sam. Ah, yeah, that would make more sense. Yeah, I could get behind that, actually, because they would still technically be connected to Sam on Earth. And that leads me to another big question. Probably one of my bigger questions is, do you think actual original Sam ever even came to the moon? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely think so. And okay. I, think, I think those messages are from original Sam real-time communicating, and all they've done is recorded them, and now they're playing them back again. But yeah, I think he did his three years. He went back to Earth. His wife died, and 
He's just living out the rest of his life, you know? I don't even know if he knows that there's a clone, though. That's one of my other questions, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I've got no idea about that. My big question is, is it really cost-effective to make clones? Why don't they, They're obviously good at making robots. Why don't they just man the, the moon with robots instead? It seems like a long leap, <laughs> you know? And especially to only have it work for 12 years before the lid gets blown off of it. It's like, that's a lot of wasted money. That's not but, even 12 years. Every three years. That's what I mean, but, the, but as far as we know, they've only been in business for 12, 15 years max, you know? Yeah, like I assume she was about two. That's yeah. why I would think that we were only on about three or four, three or four. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. But maybe one went wrong. But also, again, like I was saying, I wasn't even sure the original Sam had ever been here. If maybe they just had him, like maybe they paid him to do that and have his wife record those messages. Yeah. No, I definitely think he went there and I think that's why we've got the message. Like, I'm glad you went. Mm-hmm. It saved our marriage. Uh, it's, this is good for us. I think that's all real. And then he went home and he did his three-year contract. And But the whole cloning business, I don't know if that was done illegally or if that's part of the deal. Like, you go, we train you, you go, and then we don't have to train anyone to do it again. Again, I don't understand why they just don't use robots. But And we pay you a ton of money so that you don't have to work again, perhaps. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, so I don't know if Sam, original Sam, is in on the clone deal or if that's something that was done by the company in a shady way. I think having clones, though, I think that there's always the issue, for example, with the current Mars rovers that we have, when they stop working, they stop working and mm-hmm. there's nothing that you can really do. Whereas if you have a human up there, then they could possibly fix that in some way that you can't anticipate with sending those things up ahead of time. And like I said, I mean, it feels to me that cloning is normalized now in this, in this world. So maybe it's cost effective. Maybe it's cheap. Maybe this is basically a commentary on slave labor and like forced labor, but rather than have it done in poor, poor countries, it's, this is the next, this is the next phase of humanity is, Mm. is it ethically moral to do this? I like clone movies. Even, I know you don't really like, but I, I like as well. Can we say that? No, we can't. <laughs> I, can just, I can just bleep it out. I can just bleep it out. Yeah. I do too. I mean, I do like these movies. Because I like the ethical dilemma of it all, you know? There always is. And I think that that's part of what's going here is, is it just talking about humanity and human clones? Or is this also bleeding into the idea that perhaps... AI could become like this in the future and would we also be torturing them in the same way? I mean, that's more of a a Blade Runner conversation, but I think that this does tie into that. And that's one of the things I love about this movie is that it it doesn't preach to you about any of this stuff. No. But it really instigates a lot of interesting topics and conversations like this. I think now that you've said that, I think I do agree that the original Sam probably did go... My thought was more sort of an Aliens World kind of uh, like that kind of franchise of, oh, it was just a, a corporate thing the whole time. Ah, uh, right. Okay. He's really been, but the movie doesn't really do that with Gertie. So why should it be doing it with Sam? I mm. think that you're probably right. And the fact that maybe Sam doesn't even know that it's happened could right. be an interesting thing as well. But the thing is, I think if Sam has actually been here, that takes three years off of the timeline of how many clones. And the thing is, how many clones did we see? I didn't go through the clips to count how many different hairstyles or or those kind of things, but it seemed like we saw four. Yeah. At least. 
that would be my impression. So I that's why it's kind of leaning towards these are five and six, because we know seven is still in there. Mm. That's my only one criticism of the whole thing is they could have maybe have done with extending that time a little bit. Like maybe this is like clone 50 we're on, you know, like an extended period of time has passed and maybe Eve is a as an old woman now or something like that, you know, but maybe that, I don't know, maybe, you know, it is what it is. This is what they chose. I think part of the problem with that is, would Eve still be living in the same house? Right, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. Call this number, no, they've not lived here for... I mean, uh, even now, he essentially called a landline. A landline, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Probably not. Yeah. Are we going back to that? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. In all the sci-fi movies, they've all got some sort of video phone in the wall. Yeah. But are we really going that way? Seems like not. I don't think so, yeah. But yeah, yeah, that's 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 my, that's my only thing is maybe, maybe they could have done with extended time, but yeah, maybe you run into problems that way. I don't, I don't want care. it to. I think that, <laughs> as you said before, this movie has great visuals. I love the sets. I love what they did with that. It is a, an incredible character piece from both parts of the clones. And even Gertie, I think, is a great character. Mm-hmm. You get all three of those and the way they interact is just beautiful it's a movie where time is not wasted and it is a movie that really brings up interesting conversation starters without being preachy and it's a movie that i enjoy i can't ask for more than that yep and if you want to complete the trilogy you can watch mute i wouldn't recommend that but there's also the the last part is a graphic novel and it's called maddie or maybe once upon a time in the future and it was like a Kickstarter thing, three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars, and they raised. That's made by someone I think that they worked on the two thousand AD comics. Okay. So if you fancy closing the loop and finding out everything about it, because I really enjoyed that was the only part of me that I liked was the bit on the television where it's like I'm Sam Bell. I said like, I'm Sam Bell. <laughs> it's like that bit from Life of Brian. I'm Brian, and so is my wife. It was just really funny. I liked that. But, but again, it, it shows you that they've gone to court, you know, and there's hearings now and there's that this is very legal, murky waters and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I appreciated that part of the film, but nothing else. Gaps filled and more gaps created. Why is there, why is there Korean everywhere? Why is your phone, phone ringing? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, don't cut that. Because that's, um, don't, that wasn't this, was it? Don't, don't cut the phone ringing? Yeah, don't cut the phone ringing. <laughs> you really want your phone vibrations in the episode? Is that is there some secret it'll that be, I don't know? It'll be tradition. Uh, <laughs> no, I, it's a tradition I do not <laughs> want to start. 